We come this morning in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, raising our voices in praise to you, thanking you for gathering us in this room from all over this community and this state and this country and this world. People, brothers and sisters in Christ, lifting our voices and our hands in praise to you. Praise you, Jesus, Son of the living God. Praise to the Lamb who sits on the throne. For you were slain and by your blood you purchased people of every tribe and every language and every people and every nation. And you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve their God. And they will reign on this earth. Praise you, in Jesus' name, amen. Have a seat. All right. For our children who are Sesame Street age and any children at heart, I want you to know that this morning's message is brought to us by the letter R. So get ready, those of you note takers, to write the letter R. We got five R words this morning. If you're gonna follow along this morning, we've got two scriptures. We've been making our way through the book of 1 Peter. So we're gonna be in 1 Peter chapter two this morning, but you may also keep your finger on Jeremiah, the 29th chapter because that is kind of our theme verse for this season, and we're gonna to touch on that as well. For those of you who haven't been with us, who are our guests this morning, let me give you a quick up-to-date, bring you up to speed. We are in a season where we're talking about the theme of exile. Now, there are two things about exile. Number one, we have been learning that exile is what I would call a meta-theme, M-E-T-A, meta-theme. Meta means across in Greek. So meta means across the entirety of scripture, exile is a theme. Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. The garden was where they were at home with God in relationship with him. After they sinned, they were banished from the garden and became exiles. And throughout the entirety of the story of God's word from Genesis to Revelation is the story of humanity as exiles heading home. And in Revelation, the 21st and 22nd chapter, we're back home in union with God. So in many ways, exile is the theme of all of scripture, but it is also a micro theme. And if you go through and you look at almost any biblical character, there was a period of exile. Abram spent time in exile. Moses spent time in exile twice. David spent time in exile. Israel spent time in exile. Jacob spent time in exile. Joseph spent time in exile. John the Baptist spent time in exile. Jesus spent time in exile. Paul spent time in exile. So exile happens in life. And in this room, I just want us to to be able to understand that within this room, there are many of us that are experiencing exile in many different ways. Some of us feel like we're in exile at work. Some of us feel like we're in exile in our marriages. Some of us feel like we're in exile in our community. We don't fit in. Some of us feel like we're in exile in, in the situation. Some of us feel in exile in our own homes because we're not accepted. There are so many ways that we can experience exile. And we're recognizing as a church 
in our day and age that we have moved. The times have shifted, and we are living in what scholars call now the post-Christian nation, the post-Christian world, where Christianity has been basically the foundational religion of the Western world from 300 AD to the last few years. And now all of a sudden it's shifted in the last generation. We're no longer living where Christianity is what everybody knows and everybody has a basic standing, uh, understanding of. So how do we live well in exile? The book of First Peter, if you're there, he starts out, to God's elect exiles. So Peter is writing to all of the believers in Jesus Christ who had been scattered because of the Roman persecution in the book of Acts. Remember that? We studied that last year. So they're all over the Western world. So this is to every believer who finds themselves in exile. That's why we're studying 1 Peter right now. It's because we want to learn as we experience exile on a meta level and on a micro level in our own lives, what does God have for us? What teaching does he have for us for how we should live and journey and live together and live in exile? So that's why we're going through 1 Peter. Last week, Tim Brand shared with us about, hold on, oh, before we get there, the other real quick thing for those of you who may be visiting with us, there's this theme that's come out of our room here in the auditorium over uh, the last year or so about talking about how life works on four levels. Level one is that individual personal relationship with Christ, me and my relationship with God. Level two is me in relationship with my community, whether that's the community of believers or the community of people in my family, my friends, and my circles of influence. So that's level two. Level three is where we operate in the power and presence of this world. This is where the institutions of power in this world have their dominion in level three, where we interact with school and work and the institutions of religion and, and politics and business and commerce. And then level four is the eternal level, the spiritual kingdom where God exists eternally and where our lives are hidden in Christ in heaven right now. That eternal level where God wants us to operate. So we're gonna reference that a couple of times this morning, so I wanna make sure that you understand that. Last week, Tim talked about holiness, and he gave us this definition. I wanna read this again. Holiness looks like a relationship. Isn't that interesting? Holiness looks like a relationship grounded in humility and held together by grace. We're gonna spend a couple minutes in our neighborhood groups this morning, so what we do in this room is just, uh, we're gonna take a few minutes, just get together with some couple people around you. You can turn your chairs around if you want or turn around. Uh, and here's the question. If you grew up in a tradition where holiness was talked about or taught, here's what I wanna ask. We primarily think of holiness as something that we do to be holy or we don't do to be holy. So I'd like you to get together with your neighborhood groups and answer this question. What did it look like? What were the things that you were supposed to do to be holy or not do to be holy? And just go ahead and name them out, all right? We're gonna take just a couple minutes to go through this. Hey, if this is weird for you and you don't wanna do it, then just bow your head, pretend to pray or whatever. All right, go. 
All right, let's uh, convene back together. I love it. Man, when we started doing neighborhood groups a couple years ago, everyone just looked at each other and spoke in whispers. And now, man, I, I could just stand up here. You guys could go on all day. I love it. Uh, so real quick, just throw them out here. Uh, what are some of the things that were named in your group of things that you must do to be holy? Sorry? Go to church. Good. What else? Church. Yep. Serve. Excellent. Thank you. Okay, the uh, obligation of holy days and things. Yes. Living in the fruit of the Spirit. Of the Spirit. Good. Awesome. Don't work on Sunday. Don't work on Sunday. Thank you, Mike, for just naming it. All right. Uh, what about the things that we don't do? Don't mow the yard. <laughs> mow the yard on Sunday. Yes, we don't do that. Don't gossip. Don't gossip. Good. Don't drink. Don't embarrass your family. Whoo. I feel the weight of that in this room. Yeah. Well, yeah, don't be late at night. Oh. Yes. Okay. Yeah. You know, I grew up, there was, we, we used to joke, don't drink, smoke, cuss, or chew, or dare go out with girls who do. That was the saying. So we're pushing into this whole idea. So last week, Tim talked about be holy as I am holy. And one of the themes we're gonna look at in exile is how do we be holy and what does holiness look like for an exile who is not of this world, who is a citizen of heaven? How do I be holy within a system, whether that be a family or a church or a school or a, a, a workplace where I feel in exile. What does that look like? We're going to push into that this morning. Let's look at um, First Peter. We're going to be at chapter two. The uh, key this morning is this, before we get into the scripture. The key thought is this. Exiles choose to praise God in life's chaos, disappointment, and danger. Let me say that again. Exiles choose to praise God in life's chaos, disappointment, and danger. Those of you who've been in the auditorium for a while, what does that sound like? Chain reaction of praise. Chain reaction of praise. This is the, this is the message, a series of messages that Keith started us with in this generation of the auditorium several years ago. We praise the Lord in any circumstance. It activates our faith to pray powerful prayers, to overcome evil so that we might be enabled and learn how to live and reign with Christ. There's a, we have a bunch of these bookmarks. Every time I mention this, somebody's like, do you have any more of those bookmarks? Yeah, we've got a hundred of them. They're somewhere in the back. So if you want to grab one of them, uh, feel free to do that. So I just want to say, now my grandfather, Grandpa Vanderwell, graduated from Central in 1929. He got his teaching certificate, he went back to Northwest Iowa and became the superintendent of Morris Schools. If you've ever been to Morris, it's a really small little town. Uh, became superintendent at Morris Schools. In his first year at Morris Schools, there was a young lady in the school system and it got to the end of the year and 
my grandfather, as superintendent of the schools, flunked her and told her that she was going to have to repeat the next grade. Now, this girl was the daughter of somebody who in that area commanded lots of influence on level three, shall we say. Rich, owned a lot, had a lot of leverage politically and socially with everyone in town. And so he said, my daughter's not getting funked. So what happens on level three? You start leveraging your influence with members of the school board who happen to maybe work for you. You start leveraging your influence with the money that you have. And oh yeah, you want money for that new uh, uh, bleachers in the football field? Well, my daughter's not getting flunked. So my grandfather started getting the pressure of the school board and members of the community saying, you can't flunk her, you can't flunk her, you can't flunk her. My grandpa said, she hasn't, she still can't read. She has not fulfilled the basic requirements. She is not ready to move on to the next grade. Finally, the school board told him, you will move her on to the next grade. And my grandfather said, you may do that. And if that's what you want to do, you will do. But come next fall, I will no longer be superintendent of your schools. And so the next fall, he took a job for less money, less power, less prestige in a, in a uh, town down the road, and he moved his family, and he never went back. Now, that's a family story, and I love that story, because here's what. There's a spiritual principle here. In our culture, a lot of times we move people on. Oh, you just just doing the, the basics and then move on. But one of the things that I've learned in my life journey spiritually is that God never does that. Is anybody in this room that you sort of feel like I've been stuck in this place forever? Well, my question to you is, what is it that you haven't learned? Because God will keep us in the same place and he'll bring things around again and again and again and again until we grow whatever it is, the perseverance or the maturity or the reliance or the faithfulness or the good, whatever it is to move us to the next level spiritually. So the first R word this morning is repeat, okay? Repeat, because God will continue to have us repeat the first grade or the second grade or the third grade or whatever it is. And one of my questions that I have this morning is, God, why does this keep coming back? over and over and over again. What is it that we haven't learned? Okay? All right, let's start. First Peter chapter two. We've just been told that uh, in the earlier chapter, be holy. That's what Peter says to the exiles, be holy. Therefore, he says, rid yourselves. Now look at the list here. Malice, deceit, hypocrisy, Envy, slander. Read it again. Deceit, malice, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. So in view of being holy, he does, what I find interesting is Peter does not give us 
a list of these moral behaviors. Go to church. Don't work on Sunday. Don't drink, cuss, smoke, chew. Dare go out with girls who do. It's not that. These are relational roadblocks. So back to what Tim shared with us last week. Holiness looks like a relationship with God and with our fellow human beings. And if we have in our lives, we're deceiving people, I've got deceit, I'm being a hypocrite, saying one thing on Sunday and living some way, another way the entire week. If I've got envy of what other people have or the status of their lives or where they're at in their position and where God has them in their journey, what gifts they may have, how much money they may make, how big their house is, how easy their life has been in comparison to what mine looks like. If I have slander where I speak evil of other people or I slander them, I speak critically of them behind their back, these are the things we're supposed to rid each other of. Why? Because they're the roadblocks to relationship, to community. They are roadblocks to our relationship with Christ and without that relationship, we don't have holiness. So that's the second R word, rid. We're to rid ourselves of these relational roadblocks. Now that's, I don't know about you, but that's a paradigm change, right? From what I was raised with. So maybe I, maybe I need to shift my thinking not to what I'm supposed to do all these religious things, or I'm supposed to avoid all these traditional bad moral things, but I'm supposed to focus on the relationship with Christ and with others. And here's, here's, here's the lesson that I have for you. When you do that, all the moral stuff takes care of itself. Because when you are in relationship with Christ and you want to have a good relationship with him, he'll deal with you with all the other stuff that you may be doing or not doing. Okay? So we're supposed to rid ourselves of all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. So there's our next R word, rely. Rely. Rely on the pure spiritual milk. And what is milk? What's the, it's the, the basic nourishing things in relationship. So see in this word picture, nourishing newborn milk, where do you get it? You get it from the breast of your mother. And what Peter is giving us here is a word picture of a baby cuddled in intimately in relationship with his mother, drawing nourishment from her breast. That's a beautiful word picture. And for us, those spiritual nourishments, that pure milk, is this. It's the word. It is where God speaks to us through his word. It is prayer, where we interact with God. It is the fellowship that we share in this room and in our small groups and, and community with one another. Those, that's, the, that's the milk, spiritual milk, of growing as a believer in Christ. I had to laugh, as I was thinking about that this morning, uh, our grandson Milo is, uh, our daughter's been weaning him here in recent months 
And uh, we were on FaceTime one day. And so Taylor's got the FaceTime, you know, it's kind of framed like this. And then all of a sudden you can see little Milo, you know, climbing up on, you know, and then you just know what's going on. She's so like, going like this and, you know, getting all situated. And we can't see Milo, but we know what's going on. He's getting breastfed. And so we're sitting there talking to Taylor and all of a sudden you have to picture, it's like the bloopers. This is like this little hand comes up. Starts grabbing her lip, and she she starts loud, and you're like, ah, and he's playing, playing with her teeth and grabbing her nose, and and we just laughed. It was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. But I just thought, what a beautiful word picture, as this young baby is drawing nourishment from his mom, and it's not just this quiet, cuddly. I mean, he's playing, he's relating, he's laughing. He's teasing his mom as she's laughing. He's making her laugh. That's the type of relationship that Peter is calling us to with Christ. That intimate drawing of relationship through the word and through prayer and our fellowship with others. And isn't it interesting? Taste and see, the psalmist said, that the Lord is good. When you hear that, has anybody ever gone, what are, you, what are you talking about? Taste and see. That's what he means. Taste through the drawing and the nourishment of the milk, the spiritual milk that God gives us. Then he goes on. For in scripture it says, see I lay a stone in Zion. So that's the next R, rock. Rock. I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusted him will never be put to shame. Now, to you who believe, this stone is precious. So back to, for as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God to be precious to him. A stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. So now we've come to this stone, this living stone, capital S. Notice this, he's talking about Christ. My rock and my redeemer. And isn't it interesting what he says? The stone that the builder rejected has become the cornerstone. And what does he mean by that? Jesus came, and Peter knows this really well. He came, and we thought that he was gonna build a new temple and, and reign on level three in this world as, as king uh, on this earth and kill all the Romans and do all that. But no, everyone on level three, the powers of the Jewish religion, the Roman Empire, even his own people, rejected him. And we learned that it wasn't by level three power and dominion that Christ was to reign. It was by bringing level four down to levels one and two so that we can then bring it and subvert level three. And isn't it, isn't it amazing that we have this, look at the bookend of word pictures. We have the intimacy of a mother breastfeeding her children and we have the rock on which we build our lives and the church of Jesus Christ. Tender intimacy, powerful protection and refuge. 
Last week when uh, Tim asked us what uh, a holy moment, I remember uh, speaking of Taylor and Milo. Uh, Taylor was visiting us a few years ago and came to church and we were sitting back there and she was going through a particularly rough time in her life. And um, so we're standing there and here's my adult daughter. And as she was singing, all of a sudden, she just broke. And she turned to me and she grabbed me and she just began to sob on daddy's shoulder. And so we sat down and I held her tight and she sobbed and she cried and she sobbed. And I just remember feeling like this is what, this is what Father God is for us. The one who will protect me and take care of me and be my refuge, but I can also come to when I need the intimacy of that relationship. That's the picture that Peter's giving us here of, of the two different types. I've been in the last few weeks, um, in the last few, actually, months, um, got two friends from high school, one from high school, one from college, that started calling me out of the blue. You know, I'm 35 years away from, college, uh, from high school, so this has been a long time. And I've got this friend that started calling me, and just every once in a while, and then it became more frequent and more frequent. And I had this friend from college started calling me out of the blue, and it was great to catch up, but then kept calling me out of the blue, out of the blue. And um, as I was getting on a, a, it was a business trip in California, I'm getting on the plane in Denver to come back to Des Moines, and my, my phone rings, and it's my buddy, uh, from college, and I hit decline because I'm getting on the plane, and then immediately it rings again. And I go, oh, it must be important, so I pick up there on the jetway, and he had drunk dialed me. He was slobbering, slurring, falling down drunk. And it finally came out that his life was a mess and he didn't know what to do. I was in Texas on another business trip and the other friend called me and after conversations for months he said, Tom, I just, I want you to know I tried to kill myself. And what became abundantly clear to me was that these two good friends from decades ago of relationship have I've walked with them now. Neither one of them have built the relationship on level one. Neither of them have built community on level two. Neither one of them are connected to level four. So when the stuff of this level three world hits the fan, they got nothing. It's what Pastor Kevin was saying to us after Kirk died, his son Kirk. When this happens, what are you going to rely upon? That's what we're trying to do, to build this relationship with Christ. That we can have a relationship with others that can help us in our period of exile, whatever that may look like for each of us. Let's move on. Verse 8. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of his darkness and into his wonderful light. There's the chain reaction. 
The whole, the result, that's the next R and the last R, the result is that we will praise him. The result is praise. In every circumstance, when life falls apart and I find myself in exile and I'm, whatever it is, things aren't going right, I praise so that that praise might activate my faith. That I might pray in relationship, pray. That's what prayer is. I'm gonna scream to God. I'm gonna give him my two cents. I'm gonna let it go and pray. And that will enable God to work in my life and overcome evil. And I'm not gonna give in to that stuff on level three because I want the relationship with my heavenly father. And that's when I begin to learn to live and reign with Christ. I'm gonna end this morning. Um, I'd like everyone just to take a moment if you'd like to. I'd just like to have a little moment of quiet. Eyes closed if you'd be willing to do that. I just want us to all to kind of get in to our own heart here this morning. And I want you to uh, think about where you are in exile in your life. where you feel alone and not at home and like a stranger in a strange place. And I want you to hear these words as Father God is speaking directly to you. I have chosen you. You are mine. You are my daughter, you are my son. Not only that, you are, I have made you a priest of the King of Kings. You are in this place because you are the priest. You are this, the conduit. You are the intercessor for that place that I have put you. You have a job to do. You're a holy nation, not because of what you've done and haven't done, but you're a holy person because I have made you so through the shed blood of my son, you are my possession. I have put you in this place that you might declare my praises in the middle of your exile. I'm gonna ask the worship team to come on up. And we're gonna end with our theme verses in Jeremiah 29. And from this place, wherever you find yourself in exile, I want you to hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says to all who are in exile. I want you to build a house wherever you are. Wherever you find yourself, I want you to settle down. I want you to plant a garden because you're gonna be there for a while and you're gonna eat the produce of the garden that you plant. I want you to make a life. I want you to marry and find relationship and have sons and daughters. I want you to build relationship and community. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage to people around you so that they may too have sons and daughters and that it can grow and multiply. I want you to increase in exile, not decrease.
I want you to seek the peace of wherever you find yourself. I want you to seek the prosperity of wherever you are in exile, to the place where I have carried you. I want you to pray to me for its goodness. I want you to praise me in the middle of it. Because if this place and its people around you prosper, then you will as well. Lord Jesus, I pray this morning that you will bless our time of worshiping you. And uh, now in the moments to come, Lord, as we worship and we come to your table, I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will be here in a very tangible way that we will know your presence, that our hearts will be open to your word and to your spirit. Work in us, however you will. In Jesus' name, amen. It is World Communion Sunday. So uh, believers all over the world are having communion this morning and we're going to do so as well. Um, I will ask, uh, as soon as everybody's assembled there, our elders will come up. So the way we're going to do it this morning, I just want to, everybody, we will, the elders will uh, pass the plate around with the bread. Anybody is welcome to take communion who is a believer of Jesus Christ. That's between you and God, all right? We don't have an age limit here at Third Church, so if you're a believer, then you may partake. You don't have to be a member here, just have to be a follower, Okay. Uh, second of all, we'll pass out the bread and then just go ahead, if, do as God leads. If you need to spend some time in introspection and confession, however you desire it, and then you may take the bread uh, and eat it uh, at your own time and your own leisure, okay? After the bread has been passed, the elders will come back up. We will distribute the cup in the same way. Then once you have taken the cup, you may worship, you may pray, you may confess, do whatever you feel led to do, and then go ahead and partake as you, as you desire. Okay? On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took some bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body that is broken for you. And in the same way, he took the cup. And he said, this cup is my blood. It's a New Testament, a new covenant between my blood and you. Whenever you get together, as often as you do, I want you to do this and remember me.